Chapter One of Only a Ghost by Arrhenius the Deacon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Only a Ghost by Arrhenius the Deacon by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter One Why I Came to London. I am a ghost. Reader, don't be alarmed, but nevertheless I repeat, I am a ghost. A ghost of fifteen hundred and twenty years standing, for in the year 347 I was still a deacon of the Church of the Holy Cross, at Jerusalem, under the blessed Cyril, bishop of the same. And why am I now in London? Why have I left the holy shades in the company of blessed spirits, to glide about this black and by no means saintly city. Before I disappear into my peaceful abode, I will place on record why I left it, and who induced me to commit such an act of folly. On his release from the flesh, and his appearance in the world of spirits, the Reverend Edward Starch, rector of Grubbington in the Clay, told me that if I wished to see primitive Christianity, set forth as in the times when I lived on earth, I had only to go to Great Britain and listen to the performance of the incomparable liturgy there used. Of course, as a faithful though unworthy deacon of St. Cyril's Church, I took a grave and sympathizing interest in all the holy churches over the world at all times and in all countries, and though I should have preferred visiting Jerusalem once more, or Antioch, or Constantinople, I heard the spirit of the ancient church was in England and to England accordingly I went. In London I was told I should find the true spirit of primitive Christianity, for many were the epithets of grace lavished upon it. I heard England called the most religious country in the world, and London the city of great enlightenment. I heard that all its inhabitants were interested in the spread of the gospel, and that they considered themselves the most godly people on the earth. So to London methought I would go, to find churches like the Holy Cross, and bishops like St. Cyril reigning over each. Now, as a ghost, of course I am invisible, but when I wish for information, I have the power of investing myself with the outward appearance of an intelligent stranger, and of assuming the language of the country in which I am sojourning. People who would naturally be shy of a Greek-speaking ghost might have no objection to impart information to a quiet-looking stranger dressed in black and indulging in broken English. When necessary, I can immediately resume my invisibility. I need scarcely say that this, when done suddenly, and on the impulse of the moment, has been productive of much embarrassment to my earthly companions, but has relieved me, sometimes, from positions which might have become slightly disagreeable. On a fine day, then, I found myself in the streets of London, amongst a hurrying crowd all seemingly too busy to give a poor ghost the slightest particle of information. I ran up against an elderly gentleman of mild and prepossessing appearance, whose hat I knocked off quite by accident. "'I beg your pardon, sir,' I said, returning it to him. "'I am a stranger here. Could you give me any information on the state of religion in London?' "'Religion?' You should have seen his face. He started at the word as if he had been shot. 
likely didn't shoot him my day, but I heard of such things afterwards. I was surprised at the effect the mere pronouncing of the word had in the most religious city in the world. He turned and walked with me up the street. If he had only the remotest idea that I was the deacon Irenaeus of Jerusalem in the fourth century, he would, I feel persuaded, have fled as fast as his legs would carry him. But he thought I was only an intelligent stranger, and so he put his arm through mine and walked on. He seemed to be a confiding sort of person, and somehow or other I have always remarked that I possessed a supernatural power of fascination, which drew out the hearts and brains of those I met with. "'I am a stranger here,' I said again. "'Could you give me any information on the state of religion in England?' "'Religion,' said my stout friend. "'Huh! What's your line?' "'Line? What could he mean? I don't exactly understand your method of expressing yourself.' I replied. Eh? I mean, what sort do you affect? Affect? said I. I did not know religion was a matter of affectation. In my day it was a very real thing, and often cost a man his life. Ah, poor things. Overwork, I suppose. Should learn to take it easy. No use killing oneself for an idea. Idea? more incomprehensible still. But you have not answered my question about religion? Religion, replied my friend. Ah, yes, to be sure. Which do you prefer? Which, said I, in amazement, why the Christian religion, to be sure. Yes, but there are such a lot of them, replied my friend. High and low? Puseyite and ritualist, and Papist, and Baptist, and Wesleyan, Methodist, Calvinist, and Independent, and Bible Christians, and— Stop! Stop! replied I. You puzzle me more than ever. Who may you be? Are you a deacon? Hoping I might find a kindred spirit in my new acquaintance. My name's Boodle, and as to being a deacon, I'd as soon be a chimney-sweep. I was astonished. To speak thus of an office I had always looked upon as one of the chiefest honors the Christian church had to bestow. As for myself, I had never considered myself worthy to fill it, but had been persuaded into accepting it by the blessed Cyril himself. He vainly tried to ordain me priest, but I considered myself too highly honored already, and nothing would induce me to accept that awful dignity. For a moment I forgot I was a ghost. I was a deacon once. I said. The deacon Irene— I stopped in time. One of seven belonging to the Church of the Holy Cross, and— What? Seven to one church, said Boodle. That must have been a precious long way off. We should have cut you down. Cut me down? There were a hundred to St. Sophia in Constantinople. What? All in residence? asked Boodle. Of course. What could he mean? What frightful extravagance! Reduction is the order of the day. We should make very short work of that. But you spoke of Holy Cross Church. Where may that be, pray? In Jerusalem, I replied. Ha! Palestine Exploration Fund and all that. Yes, I know. 
Perhaps you were dug out with the rest? Dug out with the rest? Yes, with the lamp and the dishes and all the things they found, you know. And off Boodle went into a ha-ha-ha, which took him some minutes to recover. I did not know what he meant, and thought I had met with an unfortunate man afflicted by the loss of his reasoning powers. However, as I am a ghost it did not matter to me, for should he become violent I had nothing to do but to disappear. But you want to know something about the last new thing in religion? I did not at all like his way of putting it, but thought I had better humor him, so said, Yes. Well, the swell thing now is to go and hear a gospel address in the drill hall. Is that a church? Dear me, no. But you don't know the meaning of the word church. A church is an assembly of faithful people. Well, Delilah Perkins gives the next gospel address. And who is Delilah Perkins? Delilah Perkins was a very wicked woman. Delilah Perkins is a saint. Poor soul, poor soul. Was her time of penance and probation long? Penance? For what? Why, you said she sinned and then repented. She lapsed, I imagine, in the persecution. For how long was she put out of the church? Don't talk nonsense, replied Boodle. The church considers itself extremely honored by having her bright eyes in it. But, of course, the priest absolved her first. How provoking you are! We have none of that ritualistic nonsense here. She says she can do her own soul without any of your priests and rubbish. Anon, anon! Then I will lend her the treatise of St. John Chrysostom, the golden-mouthed, upon the priesthood. It came after my time, but I doubt not I can procure it, and she will see how great is the office she despises. Read, my dear fellow, I should like to see her do it. No one has any time to read now. By the time we have done our times, and our Pall Mall, and our Temple Bar, we have read enough to float our minds for the day, and a big book sends the best of us into a fit of sulks. But stay, has not St. Paul a passage forbidding women to speak in the church? Perhaps, though, you never heard of St. Paul? For my mind misgave me, my informant appearing so very ignorant on some points. Oh, yes, I have, and I know the passage you refer to. But there St. Paul speaks of the church. Now the drill hall isn't a church. But if I understood you rightly... You said just now it is. You said a church was an assembly of faithful people. Pardon me, is this not arguing in a circle? Oh, bother, replied my illogical friend. How you worry one. I was never brought up to theology. Then why talk about it, if you have no time to read about it? Here I remembered the saying, that every Englishman considers himself born a farmer and a theologian, however ignorant he may be on every other subject. My dear sir, if we only talked about what we understood, our conversation would be extremely limited. But to tell you the truth, I am glad you have no fancy for the renowned Delilah, for I am in reality an old-fashioned Anglican, and I don't approve of all these new lights. 
moderation say i moderation and leave these frights and fervours to happy tommy and the rest of them and who is happy tommy a converted collier he tells exciting tales of how he dragged his grandmother around the room by her white hair when he was drunk and multitudes crowd to hear him for the greater the sinner the greater the saint and was this man baptized before he perpetrated these atrocities i suppose so i was aghast the blessed cyril would have insisted on years of lowly penitence before he readmitted him to christian fellowship you would have seen such a man when truly repentant fall at the feet of the faithful and implore their prayers you would have seen him in the porch weeping scalding tears and counting himself unworthy even to hear the prayers much less to join in them and you would have seen well i don't know anything about your friend the blessed cyril but i do know that people here don't make such a fuss about repentance the more atrocious the crimes the more they like to talk about them and the more people crowd to hear them do you not remember how we read that holy paul when converted went into the wilderness for three years to fit himself to preach the gospel my dear fellow we've got no desert here except one of brick and mortar and there is no glory to be gained by hiding oneself of course not but what has a christian to do with glory read tertullian's de corona and you will see though afterwards he lapsed into heresy how nobly and beautifully he speaks in the treatise of the glory which is our masters alone what's the gentleman's name tertullian oh ah something ritualistic i suppose to-morrow's sunday you had better come to my church st silas with pleasure what hour does the great liturgy begin eleven o'clock surely that's rather late not at all quite early enough some very extreme people assemble at seven or eight o'clock but it's not considered at all the thing in fact it's very extreme i thought something about the extreme of laziness but said nothing especially as boodle held out his card in the kindest manner i promised to be faithful to the appointment and having waited till my friend had turned the corner of the street for fear of startling him by my sudden disappearance i dropped the intelligent stranger and subsided into the ghost End of chapter one